have your Bible, open up to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. have a good week? All right. Four out of 300. That's good. That's good. It means this message will be good for you. I want to preach to you on some hope today. You know, um, this last week, a very unfortunate young man took his life and uh, here in our area and those friends of some, some of our church family and heard about that and and uh, that seems to be pretty prevalent here lately. Getting a lot of phone calls dealing with that. And not only that, the you know the boys are up in Wisconsin this morning playing uh, there, and they called and was talking to me and said, you know, Dad, in the very park we're playing in, two people tried to take their life this week, and <clears throat> and so you know, I hate that 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 stuff's prevalent in that prison prisons where we're going and and all of that and this I just look you know when I got that phone call this week and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk slow this morning I'll probably run over so if you need to go I understand you ain't gonna bother me to get up and leave but just really want y'all to hear this today uh when I got that phone call earlier this week Mr. Kenner was telling me about some stuff that was going on and and I got off the phone told my wife said man I just hate I hate that that people obviously so hopeless and don't understand the hope that they that they have right right before them and i and it's not just to the point where you take your life by no means but hope is is such a powerful driving factor in your life and in your attitudes and in everything you do and and i i, I believe that's why the devil tries so hard to take away our hope and there's so many situations in your life where you can look at, we live in, obviously, when you look at where we're at in the world, in the world, you know, i, I got to turn and read this to you, just come to me. But when you look at where in the world, yeah, you know, I, I would say if you're focused on the world and your hope is in, you know, the things of this world and all that, pretty hopeless. And the sad part is people are looking for, a, you know, a false hope. Uh, thinking that, well, if I can, you know, get a great job or if I can make a lot of money, you know, then I'm going to have hope. And, and that's not true because all that stuff can, can fall apart in, in a few seconds and it never gives you the hope that you're looking for. And it, honestly, as God's people, we should, we should be so full of hope that being a witness for Jesus isn't just going out, you know, it, it absolutely, because here's the thing, our hope is, is all about the gospel. And what Christ has done for us, that's the very foundation of our hope. But being a witness for Jesus isn't just going out and giving people some Bible verses. Being a witness for Jesus is going out and living that hope out loud so that people see Christ in you in so much that they ask you, why do you have such a hope? And then you share that with them. But in in Psalm 46, you don't have to turn there. 
It just comes to my mind. It says, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. And so it doesn't really matter what's going on in the world. It can't take away the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so... Um, my hope this morning is that today, if you're here, maybe you got some areas in your life where you're like, man, it's pretty dim and pretty hopeless looking. That, that, that's not true. That's the voice of the enemy. And, and I'll tell you this, I don't care where you are and how dark it might seem in your perspective as far as the earth goes. You, you have a great hope. If you didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand here. I'm telling you right now. But you have a great hope in every situation. Hopefully I can communicate that in God's Word today. Looking in Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> starting off, I think, I think we got that up here today. Starting off Romans chapter 4, along about verse 16. Paul's talking about justification or being made right with God. He says, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed, God. Notice what it says about God. Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he, Abraham, became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he, God, is also able to perform. And therefore, it was a candidate on him for righteousness. You know, at this point, Abraham was about 99 years old. He's almost 100 years old. Abraham started following of the Lord when he was about 75. So you got about, about 24 years here. You know, back in, in Genesis chapter 12, this is what this is referring to. Back in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham out from the place where he was, out of Ur, an idolatrous, you know, group of people. And he said, I want you to come out. I want you to follow me. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. So that was the word God spoke to Abraham. Abraham believed it. He started basically following. It's a picture of following Jesus. God calls him out. He, he, he believes God in faith. He starts to follow him at about the age 75. And if you don't know, his wife Sarah was barren. She couldn't have kids. And so obviously their greatest desire, you can imagine they'd be trying and trying and trying. Their desire was to have a, a child, to have a son. God says, you know what? What you can't produce in your life, I'm going to produce it. And it was not just the promise of a son, but it was the promise of the Messiah 
because it was through the lineage of Abraham that God the Father brought Jesus, his son, into the world. And so God was preaching the gospel to Abraham, and Abraham believed that. He understood what God was saying, that he was going to bring a Savior into the world as his seed. And so in that, at, at 24 years, now I want you to think about this, at 24 years later, you know, the way our mind works is, you know, God said he was going to do something, so tomorrow, you know, it's going to happen, you know. And all of a sudden, a week goes by, and we're like, forget this. You know, maybe I didn't hear from God. But Abraham, for 24 years, and and here's the thing. We read the book of Genesis, and we're like, well, God spoke to him here, and God came and had supper with him here. And God, you know, you see a fellowship and a friendship there, but it wasn't like it was every day. Abraham wasn't, wasn't hearing God audibly by no means every day. It was years would go by, years would go by, and we see Abraham was just like us. Even though he clearly heard from God, he would come times where he would be discouraged. He was wrestling with unbelief. I, I can imagine here at the 24-year mark, Genesis chapter 17, I'm, I can imagine here, maybe, I, I wonder, you know, as I was reading, so I wonder if Abraham was like me, where he's like, maybe, maybe I misunderstood something God said. Maybe I really didn't, maybe I really wasn't, the Lord speaking to me, or or maybe you know maybe I got confused, or 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 if he was doubting, you know all these things, and and you know the story because here's the thing in your life, I just want to point out, hope in the Bible is not a hope like a worldly hope where you're like, man, hope happens, I hope win the lottery, you know, I hope that kind of stuff. Hope in the Bible is a hope that is connected to the promise of God's word. It's a, it is a secured hope that what God has already spoken, we look forward to. It's like, my hope is in the return of Christ, or at least in the resurrection. That's not a, a hope I go, I don't have this hope. I mean, I hope I go to heaven. I know. That I'm going to heaven because my hope is in what Christ has already done for me. And I know that I'm going to be resurrected. That's my hope. That what's, that's, that's the hope that causes me to continue to do the things I do, even when times are very difficult. That hope in you can bring you in and through and out of the darkest and most difficult days of your life. Without Jesus, I don't know how people have a hope, if you want to know the truth. And so in that, um, along the way, along the way, you know the story of Abraham he, he started walking with God, walking with God, and he and Sarah wanted to have a child. And all of a sudden, you know, years go by, years go by. It's like, I'm sure they had some great marital discussions, you know. Abraham, you let, you drug me out here, said you heard from the Lord. You know, here we are, we still don't have a baby. And, and so along the way, God would reaffirm. And it came to the point, you know, at one point, uh, you know, that Sarah laughed at God. The Lord came and had supper with, with, with Abraham. And he said, Sarah's gonna, Sarah's gonna have a child, and she laughed. She didn't think the Lord could hear. And he's like, you laughed. She said, no, no, I, no, I didn't laugh. He said, oh, you did. You laughed. And I'm, I'm just so, you know, a lot of people got this view of God, like, like if we're, if we really accidentally express what we think, that God's gonna be so upset, and he's gonna be so mad, and he's gonna just come down on us. Whereas God's like, I heard you laugh. You know what? I knew he was going to laugh before I ever said it. And I still love you, and I'm still going to do what I said I was going to do. And then later, Abraham Abraham actually laughed. Because here's what he said in Genesis chapter 17. God comes to him, he said, he reaffirms his promise. That's, what, that's why we get into God's word, because we need reaffirmation. 
When the devil comes against us, when we do stupid things, well, all of a sudden we wonder, did that negate the promise of God in my life? If I made a stupid choice, if I fall, if I fail, if I, if I didn't do exactly what God told me to do, does that mean that negates God's promise in my life? So we go back to the word. And so God comes to Abraham again. He said, I want you to know you're going to have a son that I promised. He made a covenant with Abraham. God keeps his covenants. God keeps his promises. And so he tells Abraham, you're going to have a son. And he said, Abraham bows down before the Lord and he laughs. And he's like, Lord, am I going to have a son at the age of a hundred and my wife is barren? You know, Lord, been following you. I've been listening to this for 24 years. And then he said, oh, Lord, that Ishmael might stand before you. Now, you know, Ishmael, we all have an Ishmael or two in our life. Ishmael was the time in, in Abraham's life where he, I guess he came to the place where he was like, you know what, God's not producing what I'm hoping for, so I'm going to produce it myself. And then I'm going to offer it up to God and go, hey, God, look what you did. And so Ishmael, remember, he had a, a concubine. He listened to Sarah, his wife, instead of listening to what the Lord had spoken. He steps out of God's perfect path for his life. And he tried to produce something, and the next thing you know, Ishmael is born by Hagar, a concubine. Ishmael, we're still, we are still paying for that choice that Abraham made because Ishmael is the father of all the Islamic nation. And so he steps out, he has Ishmael, that's what his flesh can produce. And there's so many times in our life where we step out of God's perfect path and we want to produce something. Young people who who start off a lot of times in the right direction. When you're a teenager, you come to your youth class. You know, you hear the things like, "All right, I'm going to do it right." When you're when you're 13, I'm going to I'm going to seek the one that God has for me. I'm not going to compromise. I want to have a a godly marriage. I know that the Lord has one. And then a few years go by. I can imagine the the difficulty it is nowadays to go. I hope I can find somebody who loves the Lord and wants to live for the Lord. You know, let's, let's be right. And your parents encourage you. And then along the time that you're about 14, <laughs> how long it lasts, everybody else has a girlfriend, a boyfriend, everybody else looks happy. And here you are, you know, 15, 16, 17, shouldn't even be dating when you're 14, 17, 18, you know, you get up there and you're like, I'm fixing to go to college and I still don't have a, a, a prospect for a wife. And the next thing you know, here comes Ishmael. You step out of God's perfect path. You listen to some smooth talking dude. Or you, or you, or your eyes stop looking to Jesus and start looking at outward beauty. And you're like, it's just a little compromise. I can change them if I get them to go to church with me. You know, next thing you know, oh, I, I fell in love like it's something like you couldn't control. I just woke up in love. That's called in lust. Okay. It's not in love. And the next thing you know, you're married and you, and you think, here's the thing, you think for a moment, I am so happy. This is exact, this is what the Lord has done for me. No, it's not. The Lord doesn't bring you a clever devil. And you get married and the next thing you know, it starts to fall apart and you're like, and I, I just gave counsel to a young lady this week. She's about 20 and she's wanting to find a husband. She's an excellent girl. If there's any excellent young men here today, I'd love to introduce you. She's an excellent girl, and in my count, and you know what she did? She almost compromised. She just talked to some idiot for just a second. I was like, whatever you do, don't compromise because 
two years alone is nothing compared to 20 years being married to Satan. And so in that, uh, you know, next thing you know, falls apart. And we, and we do it in a lot of areas. We, sometimes we sidestep with our finances. We go a route we shouldn't go. And that we don't live biblically. We don't want to trust God till we... We go into a career or we go into a, a deal or something like, I know this doesn't honor God, but God hasn't done what he's going to say. You know, there's a lot of areas in my life where I look where I've sidestepped a little bit or a lot sometimes. Like, I'm tired of waiting on God because God seems like he's taking forever. Maybe I didn't hear. Maybe I misunderstood. Maybe maybe I did something that upset God. And so Abraham offers and says, like, God, take Ishmael. And the Lord's like, I don't want what you can produce. I told you I'm going to give you a son. And here's the, here's the awesome thing. If you have an Ishmael in your life, maybe something that you produce that's falling apart, if you've already done that, it does not negate the promise of God in your life. Maybe you're sitting here today, you go, I, I married one of them clever devils, and he did what he did, and he left, and here I am divorced. Does that mean that I can't, that I can't have a, a, an incredible marriage now? Does that mean that God's forsaken me? Does that mean I, that God's so upset with me that I can't walk in the blessings of God? Ask Abraham. It doesn't negate the promise. God's promise is not based upon your performance. God's promises, here's our hope, is based upon the performance of Jesus. And so in that, we have a hope that no matter, even though we... Now, listen to me. That don't mean, well, it means I go out and make bad decisions. Bad decisions are going to have a long outcome. But that doesn't mean that God's not going to bless you. You understand? God's word is God's word. And so in that... Here's the truth. Life can take some turns and it can bring some heartaches and it can look like a roller coaster ride. It can lead to disappointments and frustration. It can be both crazy and crushing. But the truth is, most of the time we play a huge part in that. Any decision that I make that's out of the word of God, I can expect stupid things are going to happen. I can expect disappointment and, and frustration and confusion and, and destruction. Anytime, if you don't hear nothing else, young people, especially today, anytime that your life steps outside of the guidelines of God's word, he gave you this so that you can secure that hope. God's word is full of promises that he speaks about you. And listen to me, if you're here and you've, you're born again, you say, I put my faith in Jesus. Your sin and your falls and your past, all of that is gone. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the promises and the blessings of God's word are for you no matter what you've done. Okay? And, but you have to grab a hold of that. And you've got to trust God. And any time that you go, I'm going to make a small compromise. I'm going to step out of this area of my life. Step out of this area of my life. I can promise you what's coming. Destruction. In that area of your life, you're going to face destruction. The hope is that if I know what God's word says, why it's important you read it, and I believe that, then I can, then I can receive what's already been made away from me. Now, <clears throat> so, maybe you're here today, and if I were to ask you what you think you need to get out of this place that you're in. If you're here today, and you're like, I have areas in my life where I don't have a whole lot of hope. And I've tried this and I've tried that. And I was to say, so what do you think you need to get out of this place? Now, I know we're in church and everybody say, Jesus. But really, really what do you, if I would say, what would fix, what would give you a hope and fix your life? I would say in America, most of us would probably start off and go, man, if I just had a boatload of money. 
If I just had a boatload of money, it would fix it. A lot of people would say, if I could just be young again, amen? If I could go, but Lord, the reason I'm here is because I made a stupid decision while I was young. But if I could go back, well, we can't go back. Or maybe some people say, if I could just undo, and or if I had a better education and all that kind of stuff. Here's what you need. What, what every person in this room, every person in the world needs that will immediately change your today and your tomorrow is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. That hope radically changed. Not a false hope where I'm looking to man or I'm looking to myself or I'm looking to an object or I'm looking to a substance. So many people who their life is so hopeless, they turn to a substance or they turn to a possession or they turn... And all those things are idols. They're idols. And and, and here's the thing. It's, It's terrible when God's people, when you're a believer... And you begin to look at the idols of the world to try to find the hope that God's already given you that you don't, that you're not claiming and possessing for your own. Am I making sense? If I don't make sense, I need to shut up, alright? So here's the thing. I just want to give you a couple of things right here that I want you to write down if you need hope. Number one, hope comes from the power of God. No, let me back up. I'm going to start with the presence. Hope comes from the presence of God. You'll notice here, Abraham, his life at this point might have looked hopeless for him as far as this area. But notice what, here's the thing, what the Lord spoke in verse 17, as it is written. This is a point in time where Abraham didn't have a kid. And he said, I have made you a father of many nations. In that chapter 17 of Genesis, God changed his name from Abram, which means father, to Abraham, which means the father of multitudes. Imagine what Abraham, he could have done like most of us do. Father of multitudes. God, can you see I don't have a kid? And he could have viewed himself. Here's here's the worst thing you can do. You can have an earthly perspective of yourself. So that you miss the heavenly projection of what God's given you. When you look at yourself, and I'm preaching to myself this morning. When you look at yourself and you sum yourself up according to how you feel, what you believe about you, and you do not listen to God's word in that formula, you are not going to see what God has for you. But if you will put your eyes upon the Lord and believe what is spoken, God said... And here's the way it works. For instance, Jesus said, I come and I've laid my life down for you. I've paid for your sins. Every person in here, you have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, even if you've never trusted in Jesus. Now, you can die and go to hell with that in a in a, a bank account because you never laid a hold of it. Some people have so much problem going, I... I'm not worthy of being forgiven. I'm not worthy to come to Jesus. I'm not, no, you're not worthy. You're not, none of us are worthy. And the devil will continue to tell you that until you walk away from what Jesus died to give you. And that's why Paul said in, in I believe in 2 Timothy, he said, lay a hold, lay hold of eternal life. It's there for you. You gotta lay hold of it. You gotta lay hold of the hope. God's word is full of hope. And the reason that we don't sit, we're like sitting around waiting on God to do something. And God's like, I've already finished what I need to do. Faith means I'm gonna believe God. I'm gonna lay hold of that so that I see it 
in my life. And that comes, you'll notice here, he says, in his presence, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of him who he believed. Hope comes from being in the presence of the Lord. This was not a word spoken randomly. God was speaking face to face with Abraham. You know what the problem is with so many people in this room? Why you live a life that seems hopeless and you don't see the power of God in your life? Because you come in and you listen to a word and it's just like, eh, that's for everybody. Rather than coming into God's presence and going, this is what I know God spoke to me. This is what, you ought to build your life. If somebody says, why do you treat your wife the way you do? Because, number one, Jesus is the Lord of my life. His way is good. And because this is the way it says to treat her in Ephesians chapter 5. And it says in First Peter chapter 3. and Or Second Peter chapter, yeah, First Peter chapter 3. And here and here. And it shows me how this is, this is why I have the hope that me and my wife are going to have a great marriage. Because I'm building it based upon the word of God. Because the word of God stands. And the Lord told me in my heart. If you ask me, why do you preach? Because I heard the Lord through his word speak to me. And nobody here will ever take that from me. And that's what we root our hope in is coming into the presence of God. But you have to lay hold of it. Look in uh, Philippians chapter 3, Paul speaking here. And he says, not that I have already attained or that I'm already perfected. Notice what he says here, but I press on. Why? That I might lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. You realize, Paul's saying, he's he's always the first one. You notice God told Abraham, I've already said, you're going to be the father of many nations. It's done. He's already told Paul, I've already laid a hold of you. I've got your whole life planned out. I prepared the works for you before the foundation of the earth. Now you have to decide. I've laid a hold of you. Will you press and lay a hold of what I have for you? Or you can just come to church and listen to the devil and miss the whole life. Am I going to go to heaven? Is that all you want? Is that all you think of God? Man, I just want to go to heaven. At the moment that you repented and believed on Jesus as your Savior, He's like, you're already in heaven. Ephesians chapter 2 said, you have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're there. This is not a man of hope ago. You're there. Now what? What you going to do the rest of your life? Just sit around and live like the world and wait on heaven? Listen to the devil lie to you and say to, tell you that God, man, he's, quit listening to that Hollywood crap. Start believing what God's word says about you. Oh, man, I serve an amazing God. I believe in amazing things. I believe, I believe God's word for what he says. I believe he has so much more for me. And I know y'all probably think me and my wife are crazy because they're always asking you, man, what's God, how are you serving God's purpose in your life? God's got a great, I believe that with every person here. I believe God has a higher calling. And that's what Paul's talking about. The higher calling in Christ Jesus that he has for you, that he wants you to in faith believe him and lay a hold of and live your life for. But so many people are like, well, I'm not a preacher. And be thankful for it. <laughs> but, you know, it's not about being a preacher. God's got a higher calling for you in your work, in your marriage, in your children, in your purpose. God's like, I've got things for you. You're like, well, where are they at? You ain't laying a hold of them. Faith is action based upon what I believe. So many people think faith is, well, I believe in God. Okay, let's move on from there. Hope comes from the power of God. Notice what it says in verse 17. God, you say, why did God let Abraham go to this place to where he's a hundred years old? 
Why didn't he just do what he said? Because he wanted Abraham to come to the end of his rope. To where he would stop trusting in himself. And he would begin to believe God to go, okay, this is, this is Abraham's life, prayer life. Lord, I'm a hundred years old. There's no way possible that I can produce a child. My wife is barren and has been barren her whole life. We have tried and we have tried and we have tried. And this is impossible. But, God, with you, all things are possible. And you have said this to me, God, so I'm asking you, I'm begging you, God. And I'm trusting you to do what you say. Say, where does that come from? That comes from where he says, God who gives life to the dead. You know why one of the reasons Jesus rose from the dead? So that when you have all these situations in your life where you go, I just can't seem to overcome. Go stand at an empty tomb and go, but he overcame. And if he can do this, what can he not do? God said, I want to demonstrate the greatest power that I can demonstrate. I defeated death and hell. I paid for your sins and I rose from the grave. I'm willing to do whatever that you can, far more than you can ask or imagine. I wonder how many of your prayer life this week ask God for something you like. This is totally ridiculous, but I'm going to ask him. Probably not a whole lot of people in here at all pray that way. You're not laying hold of it. You're settling for what the devil has for you. But there's a great hope. And then, and then notice this. He says in verse 21, and Abraham was fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform. How many of you try to perform to keep your salvation? Oh, God saved me. This is the way God saved me, but you, you gotta live it. What you're saying is, I know that God saved me, but I gotta perform. I'm the one who is able to keep it. That right there says, Abraham, Believed what God spoke. Jesus said, for all who come to me, I will no wise cast you out. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. If you perform. It doesn't say that. Because the one who was able to raise from the grave was able to save me. And he is able to keep me. That which he started in me, Philippians 1.6, the work that he began in me, he will perform it until the day I stand before him. I have an absolute hope. It's not a hope I perform enough that I make God happy. It's a hope that I rest in at the foot of the cross to go, I'm saved and kept by the blood of Jesus. And so in that, hope comes from the power of God because he's able to do what he says. He doesn't depend upon you to perform what only he can do. Third thing is hope comes from the provision of God. Notice what it says in verse 17 there. It says, God, who gives life to the dead, get this. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. King James says, he makes that which is not as though it always was. Now, this is just a, this is just a simple illustration. Not embarrassing anybody. For a while, Craig was looking for a wife. Craig is not one who compromised. He didn't step out of God's perfect path. He stayed in God's path. He's like, I want a godly wife. I want a godly wife. Craig was lonely. But he continued rather than stepping out and settling for what the devil had. He continued to pursue the Lord. He continued to trust and believe God. He did God thing, He did things God's way. And he was like, I don't know if there's a good woman out there. And then God, now Craig's looking. He's like, it's like she's always been here. God God took what I thought didn't exist 
And at the time that I was ready for it, he provided me and Becky's a godly wife. Greg ain't regretting the wait. Amen? And there's several people. I think about Melvin and Mandy over there. Both of them, same thing. God was preparing them. Both of them did not compromise. You know what did? God brought them together. It seemed like they got a great marriage unless they got me fooled. So I just want to say, you might be one of those guys, I just don't see how this can happen. Oh, put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus and you'll begin to see that He's not, He's not limited by what we can produce, thank the Lord. He's not limited by what I see and how I can work all these things out of my mind. All I've got to do is rest in the Lord and go, this is what I believe of God. He has something for me. What He has for me is good. I'm going to continue to walk and trust in Him until He brings into existence what I can't see. Philippians 4.19 says this, that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. We like to apply that, and it does apply to us as far as monetary provision, but it goes way farther than that because monetary provision can't always fix what we need. Monetary provision couldn't get Craig the kind of wife he was looking for. Monetary provision sometimes can't produce it. It's not going to produce the kind of family that God wants us to have. It doesn't make the kind of marriage that God can build. It doesn't give us life and peace when we're going through a time of tribulation in this world. And the nuts we have in D.C. But here's the thing. I asked you this morning, what is it that you need? What is it that you need? Because he said, I'll supply all your needs. You know what, my life, number one, I need Jesus. There's times where I need, God, I need your spirit. You know what I pray for every Sunday when we go back in there and we pray? God, please just fill me with your spirit. If your spirit doesn't speak through me, nothing's going to happen. I need God's grace in my life. God's influence in my life. I need the wisdom. Parents, we need the wisdom of God. Do you ask God for that? God, you know, maybe I made some mistakes as a parent, but from this day forward, I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to obey your word. God, give me wisdom to raise these kids up in a way that honors you. I need time. Sometimes I need God's love to love y'all. Amen. Amen. <laughs> need strength. Sometimes we need humility. Sometimes I need vision. Sometimes those situations in my life are so dark that all I do is focus on the darkness. Sometimes I pray and go, God, I need you to supply me some vision. Let me see the way you see. Sometimes it's healing in families. Maybe it's physical, and then sometimes maybe it is physical provision. You know, I've had, and I've told you many times, I've had times where, and I work for myself, had times where, like, I have nothing, God. And the crazy thing about that is the mailman keeps bringing those stinking bills. Maybe some of you, you have that company job and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm secure. And then all of a sudden, pff, you're not secure. You put your faith in man and your trust in man. And now man drops the ball and you're hopeless. Or maybe some of you had money in your retirement and you're like, I'm good to go. And then we've got Monkey Joe in the office. And the next thing you know, you don't have what you used to have. And if that was your hope, now you're like, what am I going to do? I'm hopeless. Oh, don't worry. You, if you serve God. God calls things into existence with, which you never had no comprehension how he was going to do that. And he put you in a place that was better because he's the one that's in control of your life. And if you'd figure that out, do a whole lot less anxiety in your life. Amen. And so uh, last thing here is hope comes from praising God. 
Hope comes from praising God. Notice, notice what he said. Abraham was just like us. He wrestled with a lot of this, but, but in verse 18, he says, who contrary to hope, in hope he believed. That means, in contrary to my earthly hope, my earthly perspective, you might be in a situation where you're looking at it and go, I just can't see how this is going to work. You think Abraham, who was a hundred, and his wife, who was ninety, who was barren, and God's like, y'all gonna have a baby this time next year. I just can't see how this is gonna work. Amen? And then all of a sudden, he said, but rather than focus my perspective on my earthly hope, I'm gonna focus my perspective on my heavenly hope. I'm gonna put my eyes upon the Lord. I'm gonna believe the promises of God's word, and that's what's gonna move me in life. What's moving you in life? Is it an earthly hope? Or is it a heavenly hope? So why do you do these things? Why can, how can you have joy in these situations that we're in? How can you say that you have a hope when everything around us in this culture is falling apart? Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's who my hope is fixed in. And here's the awesome thing is their circumstances didn't hinder what God had promised. You'll notice he says here, he says, who contrary to hope believed in hope said that he became the father of many nations. Are you becoming what God's spoken over you? According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And notice this, and not being weak in faith, he didn't even consider his own body already being dead since he was about a hundred years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he also was able to perform. Their circumstances didn't hinder what God had promised, their age, their body, their weaknesses, their inabilities, their insufficiencies nor their physical limitation, those actually paved the way. You know, God's Word teaches our weaknesses become our strengths. When you come to the place where you go, I don't got too old. Maybe some of you men sit here and you heard the call of God in your life to preach, to be a missionary or something. You're like, well, I should have done that, but now I'm 50. It doesn't negate the promise of God in your life. Or no, You know what? I, I wish I would have been this. Or I wish I could have done that, but now... You know, now I've been divorced for 10 years. My, my first wife or my third wife's remarried. You know, that, that hope is gone. There's, there's still a hope. You realize you still have an, you still have the promises of God's word says, I can give you what you've been looking for if you would come to the end of yourself and quit trying to produce what you can and let your weaknesses become your strength. Because you know what? When you finally come to the place where you go, I can't do this. I can't do that. This is not possible. So what is my hope? Look to Jesus. Start seeking the Lord. Start praying. Start obeying. And you'll start seeing God go, now Now that you're finally out of my way, I'll show you what I can do. And so it was by his grace and his power that God accomplished what he had spoken in spite of their circumstances. Quit bringing your circumstances up as this is what controls my life. If you let it, you can let your circumstances be what moves you in life. 
The devil loves to take your falls and your fails and, and your bad decision and your sin. And he loves to like, I'm going to move you around. I'm going to mold your thought process. I'm going to crush your hope. I'm going to crush your vision of God. I'm going to shut the word of God out in your life. And you're just going to listen to me run my big fat mouth all week. And I'm going to tell you what you're bound by, what you're not going to do, what you are going to do, and how your life is going to be summed up. Man, I listen to that. I do. I've been listening to that. And y'all might think I'm crazy, but yesterday I walked in the house, had some stuff happen. I just, I don't know if the devil was there or not, but I looked in, in what I say. I looked at him, I said, if I could see you, I'd bust you right in your freaking mouth. That's what I would do. Y'all, I don't know if y'all get mad, but I get mad about it. And then I caught myself and thought, you're, you're not in control of anything. I'm not going to give you control of anything in my life. You know who's in control? The Lord's in control. I can't bust him as bad as I would like to bust him. But you know what? Jesus has already busted him. He's already defeated, crushed, and we have to stop giving him our thoughts and our attention and our focus and all of that. Even when you get so mad, you're like, oh, devil, I'm going to rebuke you, all that stuff. Like, quit talking to that idiot. Put your eyes upon Jesus. And this is what I want you to get this point. You know what it says? He strengthened his faith. How? By giving glory to God. That meant, that meant this. When Abraham got discouraged, he's like, no, baby. You know, when they was taking a test, what about this month? No, baby. No, baby. You're like, they have tests? No, I just joke. God. <clears throat> but you know, you look up and you're like, what now? Another, no job? Still no job. Baby? Still no baby. Husband, wife? Still no wife. Man, I've been going to church. been doing what God wants. And the devil wants to go, see, God doesn't care. Is there a change in me? Do I feel like I'm more holy? No, I'm still wrestling with sin. Still, I'm still... Wrestling with that same thing. I've been wrestling with God. I still don't see this victory that you're talking about. I still don't have the joy that you're talking about, God. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to walk away. No, the Bible says praise Him. Give Him glory. Take your eyes off of you. You know, the devil wants you to put your eyes on Him. You know what God says? I want you to lift your eyes above all of this. I want you to fix your eyes upon me. And when you come to the place where you have nothing else in life to hope in, turn your eyes to Jesus and start praising God. God, that's what it's called, praising Him in faith. God, I'm going to praise you in faith for what you said you were going to do. I'm going to praise you, God, because you're so good. I'm going to give you glory because the devil is trying to take everything from me. You know what that kind of praise does? Bible says in Psalm 51, God draws near to those who are of a contrite heart and a broken spirit. And this is my last story. You remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas was in a hopeless situation. They had been arrested. They had been beaten. Their backs was bloody. They was locked in chains, put in the inner prison, and they were facing death. They could have listened to the devil to go, see, this is what you get for opening your mouth about the Jesus man. This is what you get for trying to live for God. You think God cares? I'm sure Satan was in that prison cell. Oh, look, you tried to, you tried to do things your way and look, your wife still isn't bad. Your husband still isn't bad. The things in your finances still aren't better. Your kids are still acting crazy. Da da da. Look at this because you know why? I control you. I have you bound. You know what Paul Silas started doing at midnight? So they start singing praises. They was praising God in faith. You know, maybe they talked to each other and went, well, maybe this is it. Maybe in the morning they're gonna, they're gonna lop our head off. Maybe, maybe we're gonna have to give our life. Oh, but look at the glory that's coming. 
Because that doesn't change who He is or what He's given us already at the cross. And so I'm going to praise God where I'm at. You know, the cast cross I'm going to praise Him in the storm. God, I'm just going to praise You today because the devil wants to just rain down on me. And you know what? When you praise God like that, all of heaven takes note. All of heaven stops and goes, listen to this. This ain't got nothing. She don't have anything as far as a worldly hope. But listen to her. She's singing a song. She's offering a prayer. He's offering his praise to me. You know what God did? He just shook the prison. Their chains fell off. He said, let me do a little shaking. Let me show the devil. Let's shake him out of your life. And the chains fell off. Paul and Silas stood up there free to go. A lot of people got saved through that. But I just want to tell you because I know how he works. I know how the devil speaks lies to you. I know how he tries to discourage you. I know how he tries to take away your hope and he tries to get you focused on any and everything that he can focus you on. And if you're here this morning, you go, you know what? I, I feel like I don't have a lot of hope. Oh, man. Jesus can give you so much hope if you'll just lay hold of it. No matter where your marriage is, no matter where your family is, no matter where your life is, maybe you're sitting here today and go, I have tried every kind of sin that I can possibly try. I have tried terrible relationships. I've been married 40 times to people that I shouldn't have been married to. I have, I have used every kind of foul language, every kind of a, addiction that I can use. I have drank, I have doped, I have, I have done everything and I am to the end of my rope. You know who's hanging there with you? The Lord is. He's like, all right, if you'll just trust me, if you'll give your life to me, you put it in my hands, I'll take it right where you are, and we're going to climb up this rope, and we're going to get out of this hole, and then you're going to start walking in the blessings that I'm going to bless you with, and I'm going to show you what I intended for you to become and what you can be if you'll just continue to follow and trust me. God will save you. It's not just about heaven. God wants to give you life and a hope that is secured in Jesus. Loves you so much that he paid and, and did everything that was necessary. Honestly, a Christian life is not a prison. It's a celebration. Amen. And I just encourage you this morning. Put your eyes upon Jesus. Maybe you're in a place where like, I am a Christian. Start praising God. Quit listening to what the devil has spoken to you. Put him out through the power of praise. And watch God start shaking things in your life. Because he's going to. I'm standing here today and I wouldn't preach it just out of a book. I can speak your experience. There's been times in my life where I was absolutely seemed hopeless. And I started listening to the Lord and following Jesus and believing Him and quit listening to what everybody else had to say. And man, God's, God has done so many things in my life to restore my hope and to restore my joy and to restore my faith and to go, God, I never believed that I could have after the mess I've made in so many years of my life that you could do this. He's like, that's what I do. If you're here this morning, whatever your need is, you stand, we're here.